And then she drops into a squat and puts her arms around his leg and proceeds to dry hump his leg and says, I'm not going to stop humping until you pay attention to me. This is Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert, and I'm Meredith. I explore the questions people think but don't ask out loud, either because they're taboo or thanks to cultural hypnosis. My mission, and yours if you choose to accept it, is to inspire curiosity by exploring the nuance and paradox of our world. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. If showcasing bad date stories on Valentine's Day is wrong, I don't want to be right. You're in for a treat today. The episode is a compilation of stories ranging from true crime worthy to Jerry Springer. If you're a loyal listener, you know I love paradox, so it's not that unusual for me to wrap personal development into cringe and curiosity. And if you are one of my loyal listeners, which I lovingly call curiositors, seriously, thank you so much. Your listenership means a ton. And if you're new here, thanks for stopping by. The episode is part of my love and relationship series, but normally each week's episode is drastically different from the last, making it an ADD-approved place to park your short attention span. Each guest brings a personal development opportunity along with their story so you can stay curious and grow. There's no specific order to listen to episodes, even on a themed series. And at the end of each episode, I offer a next episode suggestion of if you liked that, you might like this sort of thing. So have a look around and hit play on whatever grabs your attention and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Valentine's Day. If you've never had a disappointing Valentine's Day, mm, this episode is not for you. Today we celebrate fake saints and dying flowers with tales of terrible dates. Three tra- traumatized volunteers will share cringe-worthy romance encounters and the love lessons that they learned. First up, we have our friend, Emily. Emily, tell us about your cringe-worthy date. Well, this was back when I was 22, so still good-looking and young and elastic. Um, and I was in New York, and I met this guy online. Didn't see a picture of him or anything. Uh so we met at the uh, at the St. Regis, this fancy hotel in New York City, at the, the uh, Old King Cole Bar. And we told each other what the other one looked like. He shows up. He's like, I'm 22. He's like 56. Okay. Um, yeah, number one. But I'm, I'm not an ageist. And I thought, eh, he might have some money. You never know. You know, I'm 22. I'm broke. <laughs> Why not? So, uh so he meets me there and he was interesting to talk to. Everything was cool. He was a lawyer and um, obviously a creep, but I didn't know what that really meant then. Um, and I'm at the bar and I'm drinking my martini like I'm fancy. And then he says, hey, you want to get out of here? I'm like, sure. Where are we going to go? And so he goes, let's go have dinner. I said, okay, that sounds great. Did you like Chinese? I said, sure. So we get into the, we, he hails a cab. We get into the cab. And it's this Middle Eastern guy. And this dude starts calling him a raghead and all sorts of other things. I mean, that was just one of the slurs that he said. Um, And I'm, are you, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm freaking out. I'm like, do I need to shut up? (laughs) 
that's he literally. Yeah. So the guy starts freaking out on this young man because he was going the wrong way, yelling at him, screaming at him. I'm going, this dude is going to either turn around and punch him out. I don't know what's going to happen. So that was the first part. He pulls over. We get out of the cab. Um, and I'm like, apologize. I'm so sorry. I just, I don't, I don't, you know, like an idiot. And uh, the guy, then we get into another cab and it's a black guy. And he just starts yelling at him and yelling at him again. I'm going, gee, this is getting bad. Like racial I mean, slurs? All the bad stuff. Like all the bad stuff. Oh, all no. the bad stuff. And I'm like, this is, so, this isn't even like, we haven't even gotten to, I haven't grabbed a fork or chopstick or anything. Um, so we get to where I know nothing about New York city at this point. Right. We get to the, this building. I'm like, Oh, is this where it is? He goes, yeah, come on. So we go in and there's a doorman. I'm like, this is fancy. We go up about, I don't know, 10 floors and go into his apartment. So I'm like, Oh, okay. He goes, well, I thought we could order in. I'm like, I guess. All right, whatever. So he opens the door and closes the door. And I turn around and there are seven deadbolts on the door. No, 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 click, no, no. Click, 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 click. <laughs> no lie. Um, and I'm like, and I'm an idiot because I'm rationalizing everything. Well, it's New York City. We're a block from Harlem. I found out later. Um, yeah. So... Then we go in, we sit down. His place is kind of nice and he's nice. And uh, I sit down and there's this huge plant, like a tree looking plant next to me, thankfully. He goes into the kitchen and he goes, would you like a drink? I said, sure. And I hear him in there clinking around, clinking around. And he brings out a martini. And I look at the martini and I'm looking at the door with the seven deadbolts. And I'm like, yeah, maybe not. So when he goes back to the kitchen to get his drink, I chuck the thing in the plant and then pretend like I, I pretend like I downed it. I'm like, whoo, that hit the spot. Oh my God. Well, then he comes out and he's like, hey, what about, what? Are, you know, let's get some food. I said, okay, great. So we ordered the Chinese. Side note, best Chinese food I've ever had in my life to this day. Um. At so least the there's that. <laughs> there is that, right? So the food comes and we're just chit-chatting, whatever. And uh, food comes and I'm opening it up and I'm like, okay, well, I need to have, there were no chopsticks. So let me go grab a fork. I go into his kitchen and I grab a fork and I look up at the refrigerator and there are all these pictures of ladies in different stages of undress on his couch. Some of them not looking too conscious. And I'm like... <laughs> And I was like, okay, um, exit strategy. So what are we going to do? Uh, I go back to the living room and I'm acting as normal as I can act and uh, <laughs> eating the food, enjoying the meal. I'm just looking around. What am I going to do? And he pulls this little black or little brown bottle out of his pocket, opens it up and sniffs it and goes, puts it underneath my nose. And I'm like holding my breath. I'm like, no, I'm good. He goes, no, take it, take a, take a hit. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good. And he's like, all right, suit yourself. <laughs> Apparently it was poppers, so amyl nitrate, which is supposed to enhance the orgasm that I was not planning on having. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is all true. Every bit of this is insanely true. Um, so I'm like, okay, this is getting really freaking weird. And then we finish up our food and he like puts the moves on me. I'm like, well, like, you know, I can't exactly fight him off at this point. So 
I'm smooching with him and whatever. And he gets up and he goes, he strips naked, walks in the bedroom, lays down on his bed. And he goes, are you coming in? I'm like, uh, sure. So I said, well, let me just go to the bathroom first. So I go into the bathroom and I'm in there for like, I don't know, seven minutes and trying to figure out how, you know, do the math. How long, you know, how fast can I get to the door? Undo seven deadbolts and leave. And I get out and he's passed out on the bed. So I'm like, okay, good. So I leave. I go to the door, get all the devils, run to the elevator and get down the stairs. And then I go downstairs and I hail a taxi and I open the back door. <laughs> this Indian guy, he goes, he looks in the back door. And he goes, oh, you are very beautiful. <laughs> like, Jesus, really? So I go to the... I'm like, hey, Grand Central, let's get me there, please. Thank you. And, you know, we talked because I always talk to them. I get to Grand Central and there's, I'm talking to a bunch of people because that's what I do. And this one dude starts freaking out and he's like coming at me like he's going to attack me. And I, I like sidestep him and whatever. And another guy, you know, comes to my rescue and I'm like, Jesus, I got to get out of here. So I go home, <laughs> get on the train and get the hell out of there. So, yeah, that was uh, one night. Lots of... Lots of lessons to be learned, girls. Um, this One. is the closest to a true crime podcast that Meredith For Real, the curious introvert, will ever get. Isn't that nuts? That was just a date. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, what are the lessons that you could have possibly gained from this horror story? Well, <laughs> number one, don't meet people you don't even know what they look like or also, don't meet people off the internet in 1990, what, eight, seven, five? I don't remember when it was, 22, 97. Um, number two, seven deadbolts, big red flag, get out. <laughs> don't even let it lock the things. Um, let's see, naked ladies on the fridge, big red flag. <laughs> Grab a knife out of the drawer and kill the bastard. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, and um, just don't be dumb. Come on. I should have just turned around when I saw him at the stupid bar. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your uh, bad date story today. But I know it really wasn't like a bad date. It was really like a bad romance, right? It, it definitely was. Uh, so my story takes place in my early 20s when I was, you know, dating around um, quite frequently. Nothing too scandalous. I would see one person for a month or two at a time, see where it went. If, you know, it wasn't working at the end of that, kind of part ways amicably. But uh, I had just gotten out of something that was a little more serious than that, had lasted a little bit longer than that. And I was with someone who was super sweet, very mild-mannered, very shy, and it didn't work out. And so I was, in my mind, um, in my infinite wisdom, uh, decided that I would go for the opposite of that. So I got back on my favorite dating app and uh, I met this woman who was wild and reckless and loud and the, the complete opposite. Yeah. We had good chemistry <laughs> on the first date. Um, and so I was like, okay, you know, this, this works. Let's, let's give it a shot. So uh, we weren't ever, you know, exclusive or had a label or anything, but um, as lesbians tend to do stereotypically, we hung out all the time, uh, several dates a week, texting all day, every day, um, you know, the works. 
So throughout the course of this, this has probably gone on, you know, two, three months, and we have kind of a standing happy hour. And we worked semi-close together, and there was this bar that had a really good wine special right in between the two. And so we would meet there a few times a week, have wine, kind of recap on the day. Well, so I show up one day, everything's normal. We'd been on a date the night before. And, you know, we sit down, we have our wine and she tells me, I want to hang out this weekend. Cool. Not, not a big shocker, you know? Um, so <laughs> she says, well, I want you to come over to my house. Again, not a shocker. Been over there several times. And then she lays it out there and she says, just, just lays it out there. No, no lead in, no anything. Just, I needed you to help me move in with my girlfriend. What? And that's what, that's when the bomb just drops. And I honestly don't know how I reacted. I, I don't remember that part. I was, I was kind of in shock. And she looks at me across the table and she tells me she's very excited to meet you, my best friend. And so I start replaying everything that's gone on in the past couple of months and things that are definitely not best friend behavior. Okay, that's what I was about yeah. to ask. Like, um, I mean, were y'all just like, my buddy, my buddy? I mean, y'all were no. like engaging no. in dating behavior, like yes. to put it the most One, lightly. What? 100%. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Things, things that I, I do not engage in with my friends. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm kind of freaked out at this point. And she looks at me again and narrows her eyes and goes, she knows that you're my best friend. <gasps> and that's when it becomes very clear. I am not to speak about anything that has gone on. I'm, you know, this has very much been an under a hush hush thing. And that's the date where I realized I had been the other woman. Oh my gosh. Okay. So did you help her move in? <laughs> I would like to say that I didn't. Um, you did? <laughs> I did. I was in. Of course you did. Of, I did. So you. Everything came out later uh, in not great fashion, but uh, you know, um, <clears throat> I, bro I broke my silence that I was not supposed to break at some point because I was just, but at the time I was in such shock that I did actually help her move in. That is so funny. And are these two people together still? I have no idea. Um, I cut off contact a couple months later. Yeah. So. Oh man, what a waste of time. That must have felt terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it did. Um, and, I, and I felt terrible for the girlfriend because, yeah. I mean, clearly she had no idea. So, so what is there possibly to gain life lesson wise from this terrible, bad romance? You know, I think one of the keys is communication. Um, and no, I don't think she would have told me had I point blank asked. Um, I, but, you know, I, I was very fortunate about a year later to meet my wife, who from the very beginning we had very open communication, maybe shared too much right up front. <laughs> you know, it was like, this is the situation I'm in. This is what, you know, what I'm looking for. This is, um, you know, this is, this is, this is what I expect. Um, and laid that all out there. And that's kind of been the way we've approached our relationship is very open communication. You know, we talk about everything and looking back, you know, there, there were some situations um, in, in that relationship, the, the, the bad romance, um, where those lines of communication were never really there in, in any way, shape or form. Um, and, and that was, we didn't really have expectations that it was going anywhere. 
So, you know, I was under no pretense that we were monogamous, um, but I didn't know that she was supposed to be monogamous with someone else. Well, and she asked you to lie. So it wasn't like, I mean, that's next yeah. level. That's beyond miscommunication. That's like, you know, that, she found, that's misleading. yeah, she found greener pastures and then asked you to participate in her deception so that she could take advantage of what she felt like was a better deal. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that's don't settle for anything less than that good communication. You know, look for that good communication, that open, honest, where, where you can really trust someone. Um, I think another lesson, though, um, is, is truly trust your gut. Uh, there, like I said, she was wild. She was reckless. There were a number of situations over those few months <laughs> that she put me in that crossed my boundaries that I would express that I was uncomfortable. And that seemed to bring her joy. Um, so this was, this was someone that, you know, didn't really want me to thrive, um, was very, very much into, you know, putting me down mm. and these other things. And so those were red flags that, you know, had I maybe been in a better emotional state to go into this relationship, I probably would have noped out a lot quicker than I did. <laughs> um, Do you say noped but, out? Yes. I love is. that. <laughs> Instead of opt out, nope out. I'm going to use that. That's great. <laughs> Yeah. I, and I definitely, you know, I would have it. Um, the, the red flags were there. Um, I just didn't look for them. And I just kind of, you know, pressed through those, those feelings where I was uneasy. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in a very, very healthy relationship now. Um, and, and there aren't those moments of pause where you have to do that gut check. And am I comfortable? You know, I'm, I'm with someone who very much does honor my boundaries and respect those and, and want me to thrive, not want me to be put down. So I think, you know, those are the lessons, you know, trust your gut and don't settle for anything less than good communication. Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. I want to officially invite you to take your mind travel to the next level with the Get Lost podcast hosted by Joe Sills. He's a travel journalist who interviews world-class explorers like the folks you see on Discovery and Travel Channel. Each episode takes you on a new adventure in a new place. I especially like the episode Hostage in the Amazon. Add the Get Lost podcast with Joe Sills to your listen list today at getlostpod.com. Listen, if the last two years have given you a chronic eye twitch, you should consider trying medical marijuana. I highly recommend it. See what I did there? There's lots of ways for it to help you. So if you have questions and if you're the least bit curious, Google Empathic Practice Pensacola. It's the most non-intimidating way to get your medical card in Florida. Their in-house doctor and holistic support make them the easy choice. Empathicpractice.us if you've got backyard barbecue plans for 2022, but mosquitoes are not invited, I recommend Insec. I've been using their pest control service for several years now. They have a certified mosquito identification specialist on staff, and pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. The UWF Historic Trust. We shoot the show at the Pensacola Museum of History. It not only houses exhibits of lesser-known Pensacola history, it's an event space too. So if you need a unique space in downtown Pensacola for a fundraiser, networking event, or a corporate party, take a look at historicpensacola.org. 
And if you want to tour one of the 12 museums, get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Get emails by texting REAL to 66866. Now back to the show. George, thank you so much for sharing your story out of your treasure chest of stories that you have. This wasn't just a bad date. This was a bad first date, right? Oh, yeah. Um, bad, not even just first date, first meeting, uh, thanks to online dating. <laughs> a few of our bad dates have started that way. <laughs> well, I think um, part of it is you can't really get somebody's cadence and just know like, oh, this person is crazy <laughs> without seeing them move and interact. Um, but yeah, no. So uh, you want me to just go into it? Yeah, yeah. Tell us what happened. Okay. All right. So this was probably, this was maybe about 10, 12 years ago, um, back in the days when Plenty of Fish was really popular. I know I'm dating myself there. Um, but uh, I had talked to this girl who was quite interesting. And she had fantastic taste in movies, uh, music, and she was very intellectual. And I'm like, mm, right up my alley. So uh, we exchanged numbers. Our conversations were kind of short. Um, one day I was hanging out with my friend, I'll call him Craig. And uh, we uh, were in Gulf Breeze. Um, and she had lived in Fort Walton Beach. Now, for those of you who don't know, that's about a 45-minute drive. And so him and I... I I can't remember what we were doing, but regardless, yeah, I get a phone call and she says, hey, my uh, cousin, her boyfriend and I are going to go bowling. Would you like to join us? And since I had been with my friend, I had said, well, I'm not going to just stand him up and ditch him. And so is it cool if he comes along? And she says, of course. So I turn and ask him, I'm like, would you like to go bowling? And he said, fine. And so she says, perfect. Pick me up at my place. Here's the address. I plugged the address into my GPS and proceeded to head out there. About 20 minutes after that, so we still have about 25 minutes left to go, I get a phone call. Now, this was back in the day with Bluetooth and where the microphone was in there and the phone call would go through the speakers. So Craig heard the whole thing. <laughs> and so she goes, hey, I'm going to be at the bar around the corner from my house. Will you pick me up there? And I said, sure, not a problem. We're, we continue to drive about two minutes before we get there. I'm literally looking for the parking lot. I get a phone call and she's slurry. And uh, she says, hey, where are you? I'm, I'm pulling into the parking lot now. And then she proceeds, well, you better not pretend not to know me just because I'm drunk. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And uh, like, all right. So I proceed to hang up the phone. And Craig looks over at me and says, hey, do you want to just go? And I looked over at him and I said, you know, this is why I have great stories. You make good decisions and say this sounds awful. I say the universe has just gone, would you like to go on an adventure? And I say, yes, please. <laughs> um, because uh, for anybody that doesn't know that I am Meredith's hairstylist. And 
I live kind of a boring life, so I need some good stories every once in a while to entertain people. And this happened to be one of them. So we go and pick her up. And immediately, she was definitely not my type. Um, but I've met plenty of great people that I've become very close and good friends with um, from dating. So I said, okay. And plus, she was wearing a Cure t-shirt, which is my favorite band of all time. So I said, okay, a Cure fan can't be all bad. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> yeah, right? So uh, we proceed to leave the bar. And you know how sometimes you can trip over your own feet when you've been drinking? She tripped over nothing. She took a step <laughs> and then just fell flat on her face. And I was like, oh, I immediately go into like big brother dad mode. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. So I scoop her up, pick her up. You're like, are you okay? She was fine. And we get into the car and we then get to the bowling alley. Well, she proceeds to tell me that uh, her cousin's not there yet. So I'm like, okay, here we go. So we're waiting. And uh, then she just drops this bomb out of nowhere. She said, she used to be a really angry and sad drunk, but now since her doctor prescribed her Zoloft, she's a happy drunk. Hmm. Pretty sure you're not supposed to drink when you're on Zoloft, but <laughs> what do I know? I just, I'm just some old dude that slings hair for a living. But <laughs> so we're sitting at a table waiting for uh, her cousin. And I say to myself, I'm going to need a beer if I'm going to make it through this <laughs> next couple of hours. And I look over at Craig and I say, I'm going to have a beer. Craig, would you like a beer? And he says, yes, George, I would like a beer. Both very heavy handedly saying, hey, you might need to slow down and switch to beer now. Right. To which she says, no, I want a shot of whiskey and a Coke for a chaser with none of those F word that's derogatory for gay people, uh, ice BS in it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, well, I got cornered in a drunk woman. buying her shot, apparently. <laughs> So I go up, get the drinks, sit back down, and uh, she proceeds to point out a claw machine that's uh, in the bowling alley bar. And she says, oh, I never win at those things. And um, Craig said he was really good at them. So I said, okay, here, here's a couple bucks. Go get whatever's out of the claw machine. So he does it in like $2 and gets this stuffed fish that's about yay big. To which she insists that he and I sign it so that, because it's her birthday. <laughs> Why do drunk girls oh, always say it's their birthday? That's what yeah, I'm like, I don't have a marker or anything. And she's like, oh, I'll get one. And she runs over to the bar. And I just look at Craig and I'm like, and he's like, how long are we staying? I'm like, one game. <laughs> we are not staying any longer than this. And so he's like, okay. So she proceeds to do that and sign it. And so we're sitting there just trying to make polite conversation and she's, you know, sloppy. And she gets up because she apparently recognizes someone who's standing there in a group of four people. Now he has, you can see him from the profile because his 
to the side. It wasn't as, like his back was to us or anything. And she just runs up like beeline, like a dog that you just threw a ball. It's just like, let's go. And she proceeds to pull on his shirt. And he's blatantly ignoring her. So I'm like, oh, he must know her. Because <laughs> I, I just met this woman. And I don't want to blatantly ignore her, but right. <laughs> apparently I'm too polite. But anyways, so he keeps just locking eyes with his friend. And then she drops into a squat and puts her arms around his leg and proceeds to dry hump his leg. And says, I'm not going to stop humping until you pay attention to me. Where is her mother? Where is her mother? (laughs) She, this man, this poor man, looks to the sky. And you, just for a moment, you could be like, I like, I understood everything he was feeling in that moment. (laughs) And he looks down and goes, hey, and then says her name. Um... How are you? And then she gets up and they have a conversation. And I just look over at Craig. I'm like, yep. So thankfully, a few minutes later, um, her cousin got there. Now, her cousin was an absolute sweetheart. Um, Wonderful girl. Um, Funny. Great conversation. I had a great time hanging out with her. And she brought her boyfriend which this is a weird side note. Um, I eventually asked him about this. He was wearing an orange jumpsuit and he had just gotten out of prison. And I said, did you think that, you know, orange was just your color? <laughs> you would have been done with this. Um, and he laughed, thought that was the funniest thing. Two genuinely great people that I w- would have become friends with. However, because they she was related to the girl I was on the date with. No, I, I was closing the door. I was like, keep this woman out of my life. So we proceed to um, play the game. And so we're playing bowling, going bowling. Uh, we're go- we start bowling. And you never know, have that friend that when they drink, they think everyone's really interested in their conversation and wants to be their friend. This game took twice as long as it should have been because we had to wait for her after every uh, frame because she was running around the bowling alley talking to everyone. And we were just like, oh, God. So maybe about halfway through the game, her cousin looks at me and says, so how long have you guys known each other? To which it says, this is the first meeting. (laughs) And a look of horror that cannot be replicated comes across this girl's face and she stares at me searching for words of how she can salvage this (laughs) and just says she's a really good person (laughs) and I fell out I just started dying laughing and I said yeah I'm sure she immediately changed the subject because she was like, yeah, this is just. So we get through almost to the end of the game. And it's the ninth frame. And I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. 
And she gets real quiet and she proceeds to tell me, yeah, I've been having a really hard time lately. And, you know, I'm a fairly empathic person. And I said, what's wrong? And she says, well, a few weeks ago, my ex-boyfriend had came over um, to talk and we talked and he must have slipped something in my drink because I can only remember things in flashes. And I remember him being on top of me and trying to say no. And she's like, he raped me. And I was aghast. Um, I don't know anybody that's not a complete psychopath or sociopath that can hear that from another person who's being very vulnerable and not feel something. And I sat there just in shock. And she looks at me and she says, yeah, night is the hardest time for me. Um, and she's like, I really just don't want to be alone. And I said, oh, I can completely understand. She says, will you spend the night? And I said, I've got Craig with me. I can't. And she's like, well, he can sleep on the couch. And I just sat there and just like heartbroken for this girl. And then there was a voice in the back of my head, very, very quiet. Mm -hmm. And this is how I knew I was maturing because I figured some things out in life. And this little voice that was very quiet got louder and louder and louder until it said, is this bitch trying to use a rape story to get laid? Oh. And I have never gone from being so empathetic to so disgusted with a person so quickly. Someone's at the front door. <laughs> Hopefully it's not her. Hopefully it's not her at the door. Run, run. <laughs> <laughs> so what ends up happening is uh, that it, luckily for me, it was my uh, tense frame. And so I throw the ball down and uh, the ball hadn't hit the pin before my shoes were off. I had never moved that fast in my life. <laughs> and I'm putting on my shoes and then I'm heading for the door, like locked and loaded, like, let's get out. And she's like, I had a really great time tonight. And I'm like, hmm, bet you did. <laughs> and she's like, uh, I'd love to see you again. I, I bet you would. <laughs> kept going. And I get to the door and she proceeded, well, don't I get a kiss goodbye? And I said, absolutely not. And then went to a different door and got out of there. And we're on the way home. Craig and I were just laughing. And he said, I always thought that you exaggerate your stories. And he's like, I can't believe this happened. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, I don't exaggerate at all. This is, <laughs> I just tell you moment by moment what happened. And so then he started feeling bad. He's like, I feel really bad that we're making fun of this girl. And I said, no, no. we didn't make fun of the way this girl looked. Um, any kind of physical attributes, anything like that. Everything we've been laughing about is a choice this girl made. Um, that's free game. <laughs> that hey, I think game. it's free game too. So there are so many, 
That's a lot to take in. Um, so yeah. if you were to take away like one major life lesson from this, I'm very curious of what that would be. Um, I would probably say the biggest thing is, and bear with me because I'll make this make sense in a second, is your ego is your greatest enemy. And so if in general in life, and you'll find this, I've experienced this in my own life, is if you are afraid of failing at something, you will sometimes pretend to not try. I mean, you can see this with kids all the time or um, because you just don't think you can accomplish it. And so if you fail and fail while you are looking like you didn't try, like, oh, I could have done better if I had done this and stuff, but I just wasn't into it and blah, blah. All you're doing at that point is soothing your ego. And that in general, especially when it comes to dating, if you're nervous, that means you're probably sitting across from someone that might reject you. And nobody is in a happy marriage that says, eh, they just, they're okay. They're whatever. It's like true love is looking at another human being and saying, I could scour the earth for a hundred years. I could never do better than this. And it doesn't mean that there's not better people out there, but this is the best I can do. This is the best person I could possibly attract. Um, And the same thing goes with your career, anything like that in life. And so if you, are busy trying to soothe your ego, you're going to miss out on those opportunities. And you'll have milk toast, careers, love, and all of those things. So the best parts of your life and the best things you should be reaching for should be just barely in grasp. And from that moment forward, especially when it came to dating, I always said, I'm going to put my best foot forward, even if it scares me. Because if I'm scared and nervous, that means the girl that I'm sitting across from must be pretty special. I don't think anyone could take a shit show of a story and make it so beautiful except for you, George. <laughs> that was incredible. I feel, I feel like uh, we should give uh, at least our Pensacola audience a chance to <laughs> hear more of George stories. Where could they do that? Um, well, I'm responsible for this beautiful girl's hair. Um, so you can always just come in the salon. Let me do your hair. I work at uh, 10th Avenue Hair Design in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. It's always, it's always great hanging out with you. Thanks for listening. If you loved a couple episodes of this show, I'd be so grateful if you could let others know by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Just share where you're listening from, you know, like your city, state, closet, toilet, whatever, and why you liked a certain episode. And if you liked this episode, you'll also like the one about how a couple accidentally became swingers. It's actually my top five most listened to episodes. It's episode 86. Stay tuned next week when I talk with an intimacy coordinator about what really goes on during those steamy movie sex scenes. Talk to you then.